Good afternoon. Uh, pardon the confusion, but the Atlantic Council, there's so much going on, there's always a little bit of underbrush we had to clear away. My name is John Herbst. I am the director of the Dino Patrizio Eurasia Center here at the Atlantic Council. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting a distinguished panel of Russian writers who will give us an insight into the state of freedom in Mr. Putin's Russia. For those of you who are watching at home, uh, you can follow the discussion by using the hashtags at ACRussia or at RussiaWrites and following at ACEurasia on Twitter. I'd now like to invite um, Masha Gessen, distinguished and courageous uh, Russian journalist, up to the panel, up to the podium. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Um, I, my name is Masha Gessen. I'm a writer and journalist. I'm also a trustee of PEN America. Uh, and let me uh, say a few words about PEN America before I introduce the panel. Uh, PEN, as some of you probably know, is a writer-powered organization with a membership of more than 4,300 authors. Uh, and it, um, it does something fascinating. It walks, uh, it, it, it both celebrates literature and fights to protect the environments and the rights of writers that allow them to create the literature that it celebrates. Uh, so that's uh, exactly the balance we're trying to strike with this delegation as well. Uh, this is a group of extraordinary writers um, who are uh, trying to tell a very, very complicated story, right? And um, in the events that they've done in the last uh, three days in New York, it's become clear just how complicated the story is. This is not a story, sort of straightforward censorship. Uh, it's, it's a subtle and in some ways more tragic story of a shrinking space. And Penn uh, has uh, created this handy report uh, that, uh, that, that gives you some details uh, on the story, uh, but uh, you will also hear from them today. So uh, we have here um, Anna Nemzer, who is a novelist uh, and an editor. Uh, who's also uh, has for years been involved in some extraordinary projects in uh, sort of struggling to reclaim a historical narrative in, in, in Russia that is independent from the Kremlin. She has been instrumental in creating a virtual museum of the 1990s, which is now uh, uh, it's sort of a multimedia oral history project, which is also now going to become a book. Uh, her wonderful novel, uh, uh, Imprisoned, yeah? Prisoner, sorry. Uh, her wonderful novel, Prisoner, is, is also a historical novel uh, that addresses both World War II and the Soviet war in Afghanistan. Next to her is uh, Maria Stepanova, uh, who is a poet, and I would say the poetic voice of her generation. She's also the editor of a, a culture website called kolta.ru, which started as openspace.ru. Uh, and uh, then through sort of typically Russian story was, uh, was forced to change uh, ownership and has become a fully crowdfunded website, uh, and, um, which makes it a rare example of something that really does have the, uh, the ability to function independently in Russia. Kolta is a, uh, it, it was started as a cultural website, and it very quickly, as I think Maria can explain, um, became clear that, it, uh, that there is no culture in Russia independently of politics. Uh, 
Next to her is Ludmila Ulitska, who needs no introduction, but I will just mention that she is a novelist, uh, a best-selling Russian author. Uh, her latest translation into English, um, The Big Green Tent, is just out from FSG. And at the end here is Ilya Danyshevsky, who is both a novelist and a publisher. Uh, he has his own imprint with one of the large, uh, one of the two large Russian publishing conglomerates. And I would say he probably takes more risks and does more interesting stuff with this one imprint than all of his colleagues put together in the book publishing business. And moderating all of this will be Scott Stossel, who is the editor of The Atlantic magazine and the former executive editor of The American Prospect magazine and the author of the New York Times bestseller, My Age of Anxiety, Fear, Hope, Dread, and the Search for Peace of Mind, uh, which has been roundly praised by every publication. I have a long list here, uh, but uh, it really is a terrific book, and it's a great honor to have Scott um, take this panel over for me. Uh, well, can you all hear me? Um, let, let me start by saying um, thank you to the Atlantic Council for hosting this and to PEN America for putting this event together. Um, and to Masha, who was too modest to say that she herself uh, is uh, a, a writer who, who lived in, in Russia for, for many years as a, as a uh, critic of the Putin regime and endured, if I'm remembering rightly, uh, you know, uh, Surveillance um, threats, um, particularly you know, as a journalist and as a uh, homosexual uh, in Russia, you know this is uh, uh, you know you, you are one of the bravest people I know, which is, is a helpful segue to my introduction here, which is, you know, I, I work at, at the Atlantic. I work with many, many brave American writers, and they are sometimes brave in their physical courage, especially when they're c covering war situations, uh, their, their, their life is sometimes in danger. Much more often than that, you know, they, they run the risk of uh, censure. You know, they could get, a, 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 if you take a, a, a policy stance that is against uh, the prevailing conventional wisdom, you run the risk of being um, shamed and embarrassed on social media and um, on other, in other venues. Um, what what everyone on the on this panel here uh, besides me um, has is, is you are truly brave in that the work that you do day to day, um, whether it's publishing, writing poetry, writing fiction, um, doing journalism, is incredibly important um, to the cause of the advancement of human rights and of uh, the betterment of humanity, but is also a, a literal endangerment to your physical safety and to your ability to communicate. So um, I just want to say thank you all uh, for, 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 for being here. Um, I, I guess I thought, I, I, as I was thinking about this panel, um, I, th I thought back uh, to about 20 years ago, I went to a conference uh, on the for the centennial uh, celebration of uh, 
the literary critic, the American literary critic Edmund Wilson, you know, a great sort of discoverer of uh, uh, or, and, and promoter of F. Scott Fitzgerald, friend and sometimes enemy of, of, of Nabokov. And um, at, at this conference, which again was 20 years ago, uh, there, there was a presentation by David Remnick, who is now, of course, the editor of The New Yorker, but at the time was recently returned as Washington Post editor, uh, or Washington Post bureau chief from, from, from Moscow. And this was in 1995. So uh, Soviet Union had fell, Gorbachev had given way to Yeltsin, and uh, at the end of the session, and I actually went back and looked this up, and, and I was reassured uh, about my failing short-term memory that I actually remember this, you know, about 30% correctly. Um, uh, I actually remember this exchange, so I went back and find it. And so, so during the Q&A, someone asked Remnick, who wrote the great book Lenin's Tomb, uh, about the, the last stages of uh, the, 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 the Gorbachev ever end of the Soviet Union. Someone said, um, you know, it used to be that literature had this incredible power in the Soviet Union precisely because it was it had to be Samizdat or it was uh, for, foreboden and and um, and 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 this the questioner said, look, you know, all of a sudden, and he, I think he was quoting actual facts. Suddenly, Jackie Collins, as opposed to Dostoevsky or Chekhov or Nabokov or Solzhenitsyn, is now leading the bestsellers. Isn't this a great loss um, in terms of the power of, of of literature? And Remnick said, and I'll quote here: I don't think it's sad at all. I think it's normal. The great writers of the Soviet Union were imprisoned and killed, too, because they were alternative journalists. There was no honest journalism there of any kind, and yet certain writers were telling the news if they could manage to get it out. And so the reasons for their exalted positions were entirely perverse. There's a tradition of comments about this extraordinary position. Solzhenitsyn calls it a second government. Um, but I think, thank God, that's all done now. That was in 1995. It's not all done now. So let me open it up to you, and, and let me start by asking Ilya, who's been writing uh, in uh, for, for for many years. What, what do you? What is the current status of the writer and the and the, and the, and, the, and, the, and the public intellectual who is a, a critic of uh, the Putin regime in Russia today? Происходит в современной России то, что всех нас, и в том числе и в первую очередь писателей, художников, быть политичными. Сегодня она продолжается, но в новой форме. Вместо убийства нам предлагается зона полного молчания. Нам может показаться, что это намного лучше, намного более гуманно, но находясь на месте писателей, мы не можем быть так уверены. We, uh, being what we are, we cannot accept it. We cannot take it. Мы существуем в пространстве полной дегуманизации. We live in a space of complete dehumanization. And the role of a writer is degraded as 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 far low as as far low as one can imagine. 
у государства есть какая-либо потребность в цензуре выпускаемых книг. That's why we do not say that the government uh, needs a censorship to prevent us from publishing our books. То, что практически не существует, не надо урезать. One do not need to censor what doesn't exist. Людмила, what do you think about that? And then Anna and uh, Maria. Мы сейчас прожили очень интересный для России уникальный кусок времени. 25 лет в России не было цензуры. В России цензура началась не со времен советской власти. The censorship was introduced in Russia not with communism, but much, much longer before it started when the literature started. And most likely this stage is going to be over soon. Вот есть цензура или нет цензуры для литературы на самом деле не принципиально. But uh, to, uh, to, your, to, to, to my surprise, I should say that uh, it's not essential actually whether censorship exists or not for me as a, as, as for, as a, as a writer. Даже до некоторой степени цензурное давление немножко даже вызывает к ней дополнительный интерес. Actually, the censorship, the pressure of the censorship uh, provokes a certain additional interest to the literature. Okay. У нас очень жестокая цензура в средствах массовой информации. Очень жестокая. We have a very harsh censorship in media. Все время закрываются независимые издания, независимые телеканалы. Осталась очень маленькая зона, крохотная, независимых. The government keeps shutting down independent uh, media, independent TV channels, and the area where independent uh, media is allowed, still allowed, is shrinking. Literature, пока государство совершенно не интересует. Мы власти не интересны, как незначительные тараканы, совсем маленькие. And so far, the government doesn't care about the literature. They don't care us like they wouldn't care about uh, little insects. Ну, лично меня это, честно говоря, устраивает. And it's, I'm fine with it. <laughs> вот. Но как будет развиваться эта ситуация, мы не знаем. But we can't say what's gonna, what's gonna happen next. Единственное, что я определенно могу сказать про наше проживание вот последних лет, что жизнь наша очень сложна, во многом неприятна и чрезвычайно интересна. But one thing I can say for sure for the uh, several last years of our lives, our life became more complicated, more challenging, uh, quite unpleasant, and extremely interesting. And I'm glad that I can say this word interesting because I presume that with the next stage I will not be able to say that. So far, it's going to it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> um, so, very briefly, just to the two of you, Maria and Anna, um, do you agree with that? Life has become more difficult and more interesting. Uh, well, it is more interesting, more difficult, and I would say uh, maybe controversially more more violent. 
no one of us uh, experienced uh, real violence uh, that would be uh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> sorry I, I was I, I'm trying to speak English and uh, as, as you can see my English is very faulty uh, but uh, I'll give it a second try and uh, you'll forgive me if I fail mm -hmm. Uh, what, I w what I wanted to say lies, well, in the realms of an experience that I achieved when I was, uh, while working at my, so to say, second profession. I am a poet and I am a journalist. I am editing a website. And we write a lot about uh, different things uh, that, uh, that are concerning uh, the overall uh, climate, uh, social climate in Russia. Something that is getting more and more heated and more and more, you know, shining with violence. And we're, uh, we're writing about home violence also. And uh, there is a term uh, that I know because of writing about home violence in Russia, and no one in Russia, almost no one maybe, with the exception of three or five percent, uh, and uh, hopefully three or five percent knows, uh, shelters. Uh, I have this feeling that writing in Russia in current time, uh, whatever you're writing about, in any style, in any line of doing that, is a kind of a building a shelter. Because in violent times, uh, people of any political belief have to look for a place uh, where they're able to find a safe space, safe space for looking around, safe space for debate, safe space for rest, and a safe space for thinking things anew. And uh, well, it is, yes, it's becoming more and more hard to do so, but uh, this opportunity still exists. Uh, well, I agree with all my colleagues. It's really getting more and more interesting. And uh, well, you know, we all are kind of a Guinea pigs, but with a great limit of reflection. And we can observe it and describe it. And actually, it's a great opportunity. <clears throat> we, have, uh, we have a huge amount of uh, examples of how censorship works. We have uh, examples of uh, how uh, self-censorship works. And uh, uh, we have... Um, some examples of how our muteness works. And uh, for instance, uh, yesterday we had a big public talk and I, am, amongst other things, I said that Alexei Navalny, uh, the, the only one uh, Russian uh, op oppositioner, um, is not actually my candidate. After that, I was so close to commit suicide because I realized that I, in America, uh, say that Alexei Navalny is not my candidate. And now I'm a little bit uh, correcting my mistakes uh, because uh, he's a great politician with a great charisma. He's smart uh, uh, and so on. But uh, the thing is that maybe I have some some points of disagreement with him. Uh, in any other situation, I would be glad to argue with him, not as his uh, political opponent, uh, but as, um, as just a part of his electorate. But 
in our situation, I just think, is it a really appropriate moment for my little claims and my little disagreement? It's, it's so inappropriate. And this is how our mind closes, actually. I want to soon get into more about what you just said and about the intersection between uh, art and fiction and, 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 and politics. But I wanted to ask you a very, all of you a very practical question first. Which is, you know, given the current environment uh, in Russia with a kind of newly research or newly sort of uh, martially minded regime and Putin um, cracking down on things, does this trip that you've all taken, when you go back to Moscow or wherever you live in, in, in Russia, will you be more under surveillance or in more you know, physical or psychological danger than you were before you left? And I'll, anyone who wants to take that should take it. If we предполагаем, что после нашего приезда за нами будет более пристальное наблюдение или к нами к нам будет применено физическое насилие, то там мы говорим о очень примитивных действиях современного режима. If we presume that by upon our return we are going to be more surveilled or the physical pressure is going to be exercised upon us, then uh, it would be a mistake. It would be too primitive to, uh, to, to think that regime is, is too primitive in, in his dealing with us. We live in a system where the clear delineation of uh, uh, cause and effect uh, is, is missing. Thank you. <laughs> Единственное судебное дело, которое было направлено против Кольта, было за одно матерное слово, но не за их статьи про войну. The only court case which was opened against Kolta was for using the one, uh, one swear word and not for the articles against the war. Большая часть судебных дел, которые мы получаем в связи с книгами, тоже связана с каким-либо абсурдом. And most uh, cases which we get in court uh, in regards to our, the books we publish are also related to some incredibly stupid reasons. And uh, the books about the war in Ukraine are completely silenced. So there is, uh, uh, there is no logical cause and effect uh, in crime and punishment in Russia. В современности, когда любая репрессия становится достоянием общественности в течение 10 минут, мы должны говорить, что все механизмы претерпели изменения. The problem is that in, the, in current times when any, any, uh, any, any pressure, any uh, repression, uh, may, uh, people become aware of it in 10 minutes, uh, the system mutated a lot. Их цель больше не замалчивание или уничтожение конкретной информации, а скорее запугивание. The government, uh, the, the system's goal is not to silence certain information, but to, uh, to threaten, to, to, to intimidate it. Даже сам этот вопрос, может ли с нами что-то случиться, это какое-то следствие вот этой запуганности. And the very, the very question which you asked about whether something might happen to us is, this, is the result of, is the effect of this uh, system of intimidation, of the spirit intimidation, environment of intimidation. 
в личности Путина то, что он никогда не пытался, чтобы его любили. Он больше всего, чего он хотел, чтобы его боялись. И когда мы слышим эти вопросы здесь, в Америке, видимо, этот образ действительно был грамотно сформулирован. And when we hear these questions here in the United States, we understand that he achieved his goal. He managed to You know, when Cuban baseball teams would tour the United States, often many of them, uh, of the players, would defect. Uh, do, you, do you feel temptation to do that? Because here we have complete, uh, you know, free expression, you know, First Amendment, you know, stipulating Trump not doesn't become president, um, <laughs> it st still obtains. Um, and, and beyond that, what, what, do, what, do you, what, what is your feeling about Russia, and this is, goes for all of you. You know, do, do do you love it or do you hate it? And I realize that's a complicated question. You know, you may love the culture and history of Russia, but hate the current regime. But g give me some thoughts thoughts on that. Well, I could do it as people do it on Facebook. Uh, on Facebook, when they are writing, it's complicated. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, well, uh, in fact, being frank, I have to admit that yes, I love it, and uh, I think that. Uh, Uh, I am, you know, in a kind of a constant relationship with this country. Uh, I'm, uh, I want to go back. And I feel that it is fair. I mean, someone has to love it. Not only, you know, the guys who are uh, uh, roaring, uh, who, are, who are running around saying, we love Russia, our mother Russia, and whatever. Someone has to love it from the other side, yes? And I do. And uh, speaking uh, about what Ilya was saying, I, was to, uh, I want to make just one small point. Yeah, mm, I, I totally agree. But yes, the regime, it acts bizarre. But it, and it, it is funny sometimes. But uh, it doesn't mean it is any less effective uh, because of that. And yesterday uh, in New York, we were remembering the case story of Oleg Kashin, an acclaimed journalist from Russia. And uh, it is a striking example of how things are working in Russia in current times. Kashin was writing about, about everything uh, worth mentioning, about war in Ukraine, about uh, you know, every important news of, uh, of uh, nowadays. But he was beaten to death, not, about, not because of that, but because of writing a few lines on Facebook or in Live Journal, it was a few years ago, about some uh, political weirdo that no one was even aware of in, in that time. So uh, Russian social and political climate is, uh, is a comedy but with uh, quite an unexpected ending. You never know what is going to happen next. And that is what is making it so, uh, well, yes, scary. What, what is the ending for, for you or for anyone? What, what do you think the ending is, uh, Ludmilla? 
Ай. Нас возьмут за ухо, то вы будете это знать на следующие ближайшие 15 минут. I should say that you'll you'll know what's going to happen because you'll know very quickly. Once they pull me by by the ear, you'll know you'll know it in 15 minutes. We'll write about it in tweets. <laughs> do, do any of you feel physically endangered uh, by the work that you do in Russia? Or, or in danger of imprisonment? Uh, physically endangered, I guess no. Uh, there was a point when I was uh, feeling that what I am doing is uh, kind of risky. It was uh, when we were deciding, uh, deciding if to publish or not uh, an article also by Alek Kashin about the burials of the Russian soldiers uh, near Pskov. And we were not the first uh, magazine he addressed with this piece, with this article, and everyone was refusing him. And uh, we also uh, could feel you know, uh, the fear tickling. Uh, but, uh, well, as you can see, we decided to publish, and uh, luckily nothing happened. But, well, of course, you never know. But, no, uh, I don't feel uh, very much endangered personally, at least now. Um, well, here, here's a question for an, any of you about, you know, in the context of, the, of, of American politics, you know, some, particularly on the left, would say that the uh, post-Enlightenment project of the last three, four hundred years is under threat, um, and that the value of empiricism and truth is actually under threat. What, uh, well, let me put it bluntly, what, what is the value of truth in Russia, or, uh, and, and, and how do you resist the state's impulse to distort it, which, again, from reading all of your work, uh, I get the sense that that is the sort of default mechanism, is, to, is for the state to distort truth. Um, so I guess Ilya, just. Let me give you some very, the most simple examples of the mechanism of the distortion. And maybe Anna is going to provide other more detailed examples. В России существует достаточно обширная конъюнктура и номенклатура помощи писателям и социальных лифтов. Uh, uh, there is a quite wide gamut of the a wide, quite broad system of assistance to writers and social lifts. Так на вершине этих лифтов сидят люди, которые имеют те или иные отношения с государством. Мы перестаем говорить о какой-либо независимости. Мы перестаем говорить о независимости. And since people who sit on top of the social lifts uh, maintain certain kind of relationship with the government we stop talking about their independence. And this is how the official uh, culture of literature in Russia is shaped. And for certain reasons, the main narrative and the main and the name of the game is the game in in the Russian history. In other words, pseudo-historical novels 
are becoming the kind of literature the, uh, which the government uh, prefers. Участие в этой официальной культуре это не требует никакого профессионализма, требует лишь разделения некоторого количества верных взглядов. And in order to be engaged into this official culture, one do, does not need to be a, a professional. All what you need to, to, to do is just to share certain values. And have certain kind of right uh, connections, networking. As a result, we have a large number of strange, dubious writers who work uh, in a certain channel uh, manipulated by the government. Так государство контролирует большую часть телевидения, большую часть СМИ. Эти авторы получают широкую огласку и поддержку государства. And given the fact that the government uh, is controls most media and most most TV channels, these writers are promoted uh, most actively uh, by the government. While those who disagree with this policy are going to be pushed out of this uh, area. As a result, Zapad and America will pay attention to the most famous Russian authors, that is, preserving the official policy. And as a result, uh, the West and the United States particularly are going to pay attention to the most uh, famous names, uh, the most known names um, promoted by the official policy. And uh, their books are going to be translated into English and other languages. This is, uh, this is the most uh, simple way to distort the reality. Uh, let me turn the question to Ludmilla. You, you, you are, well, no, but I want to ask you because you were trained, you, you're, you're a novelist now, I've written many books, but you were trained as a biologist. I think you have a master's uh, in biology, where, and, and in science, uh, the sort of sine qua non of the advancement of science is uh, empiricism, the, 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 uh, the, the quest for factual truth. Um, in Russia, um, does well in the sciences? Does respect still for, for the scientific for, for truth still hold more purchase than it does in the political and literary realm? And even beyond that, I mean, I you know, in my in my limited understanding of the history of Russian science, you know, Pavlovian research on you know was sort of yoked to the idea of uh, justifying. Um, totalitarian impulses back in the in the in the Stalinist era. What, 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 what is your idea about scientific truth, literary truth, and the Russian government's uh, approach to controlling all, all of these? Thank you. That was a great question. Дело в том, что между художественной истиной и истиной научной есть очень глубокая разница. Дело в том, что научная истина подтверждается экспериментом или не подтверждается. Тогда они уже не истины, если они не подтверждаются. The problem is that there is a big difference between the uh, truth in the science and the truth in the literature, because whatever you establish as a truth in the science, you can prove it with an experiment. Uh, and if it doesn't work, then it is not truth. Uh, 
У нас несколько месяцев тому назад произошла большая неприятность. Закрыли фонд «Династия». Это фонд, который издавал огромное количество научно-популярных книг, переводных, причем в основном американских. Вот это то, чего безумно не хватает сегодняшнему обществу. Uh, quite recently, a very unpleasant event happened in Russia. The Dynasty Foundation was shut down. The Dynasty Foundation was publishing a lot of uh, uh, books on science, popular books on science. Uh, mostly they were translated from other languages, and this is, what exa this is exactly what we miss a lot. Вот поэтому я совершенно не убеждена в том, что есть художественная истина и как нечто окончательное, убедительное, потому что, скажем, я некоторых авторов очень любила в юности, а потом их перестала любить. И то, что мне казалось истинным в 16 лет, перестало мне казаться истинным в 32, а тем более в 64. Вот. А что же касается э, науки, то дважды два все-таки остается, продолжает оставаться четыре. И поэтому моя раздвоенность, э, она на самом деле мне дает большое удовольствие. Я получаю удовольствие от этого. Потому что тогда, когда я не уверена в э, истинности художественной, то я всегда могу прибегнуть к э, научному дискурсу, и это очень приятно. Uh, It is more complicated. And for example, uh, when I was six, what I believed was the artistic truth when I was 16 was different uh, when I was 32, and let alone when I turned 62 or 64. Uh, and um, uh, reg uh, however, in, sci in, in science, two plus two always remains four. And uh, this provides me with a great joy. This bifurcation provides me with a great joy because every time when I uh, feel confused and feel uncertain about my artistic uh, values, I go back to the scientific discourse. Um, one of you, I think it was one of you, actually, maybe it was Masha, um, said that the sort of trajectory of Russian politics and culture has been to, re to constrain the ability for artists to inhabit a gray area, um, and that uh, increasingly under Putin, as he becomes increasingly more sort of nationalistic and martial, it's, it's black or white. Do you feel that that is true, and does it con affect how you do your poetry or your fiction or your, or, or your journalism? And, um, uh, I guess, Maria and Anna, I'll ask you first. Um, well, uh, I, I think that uh, it uh, very much depends on the framework you're existing in and uh, frameworks, you, it is also something you can change. Uh, and uh, when it comes to, to our pursuit of uh, understanding of what is happening in Russia, I think that the most important framework now is a moral framework. Mm -hmm. This simple, pure and simple system of coordinates that Uh, helps us uh, to define ourselves, to understand where is black and white, and if they exist. No 50 shades of gray, just black and white, just good and evil. And it is, uh, you know, sometimes it is just necessary to remind yourself that good and evil exist. Uh, it is just pure and simple as that. Uh, but of course, as uh, Lyudmila points, uh, 
in uh, the realm of artistic work, it is uh, slightly or completely different. And, uh, yeah, and it's different when, when it's coming from an artist to artist. But it is still imp important to remember that, well, that moral issues is, exist. I will agree. Uh, the thing is that we all have to abandon our beloved uh, postmodern games and relativism because we have now no opportunity for it. We, we, we have no choice. In my everyday work, uh, I'm just dealing with um, history and historical memory, and I can see how the denial works, how, how it ruins everything. Well, um, there is, uh, well, there is a story. Um, uh, we have uh, in Moscow, but I, I'm absolutely sure that it is uh, just the same in uh, all other Russian cities. We have absolutely no memorial plugs uh, on our houses uh, with the word arrested or repressed or something like that because our cities just deny this period of our history. One of uh, um, ex-journalists and uh, citizen activists, uh, Sergei Parhominka, arranged a uh, project which is called The Last Address. Uh, it's more uh, crowdsourcing, people write him. We know that uh, in this house used to live my grandfather, father, he was repressed. Then Sergei comes with a little uh, memorial plaque uh, with those words. It's a great project. And there is a big uh, house near Tretiakovskaya Gallery uh, where a lot of uh, Soviet writers used to live. Uh, and so uh, they wanted to hang uh, this uh, memorial plaque there. And there was, uh, but all people who, almost all people who live uh, in this house now were, uh, didn't want it, and there was a big scandal, and there was a big meeting uh, where everything was discussed. Uh, and those people um, pronounced a wonderful phrase. They said, half of our country was repressed. What did this man exactly do, except he was repressed, arrested and repressed? What are uh, his other attainments? What did he do except it, so that we should hang this um, memorial plaque? The, the thing is, it's about moral, actually. Uh, the thing is that uh, we had another phrase which I hate from the bottom of my heart. Uh, when you're talking about repressions, you very often hear a phrase uh, nobody was repressed in my family. What for? Uh, for what? Sorry. Uh, the thing is that between this phrase and the phrase uh, how our country was repressed n is no difference, no boundary, and it's the most dangerous thing, I think. Sorry for my English. Um, let me, let me, uh, let me uh, I want to make sure we have time for questions from the audience. Uh, but I have three final questions, I guess. Um, and one, if I'd asked it six months ago, it would have been a silly question, but now it's actually uh, a burningly urgent question, which is, and, and, the, and the next two are both serious, whenever I would have asked them, what do you all and Russians think of Donald Trump? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I, I think he's a... A hundred percent true version of our Zhirinovsky. 
uh, and uh, the uh, similarities are so striking that the Russian language site Medusa, that is based in Riga in Latvia, even made a test out of it. Uh, they, are, they were quoting the, uh, Zhirinovsky and Trump and uh, sort of urging the viewers to compare and to, uh, and to say which, which quote belongs to Zhirinovsky and which one to Trump. And I tried to pass this text, uh, this test, and I failed. <laughs> Anyone else? Ответ дан. Исчерпывается. I mean, show the answer. <laughs> well, let, 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 let me ask um, my two final serious questions. I guess for, for, for so the, the the penultimate one is what what are the average what is that what are you all I guess but um, more pertinently I guess what's your sense of what the average Russian under Putin today thinks of America and Americans? Oh. I have a story, <laughs> <laughs> two stories, ah, two short stories. <laughs> First thing. They hate us, they want to eat us. <laughs> First story. When the mm, temperature between Russia and the States became, well, not le less hot in the last well, few months, uh, uh, a guy who is writing for Kolta uh, wrote a column for us uh, uh, describing what is happening in the governmental media now and how do the changes look. And uh, on one of the biggest uh, radio channels, there was a, a show, a talk show. It was titled, it was titled uh, Why Did We Hate Americans? And I loved the word did. <laughs> it means everything is you know, kind of reversible. Nothing is final. Uh, and the other story, uh, I already told it in, in why, but I hope no one in uh, Washington <laughs> was able to. Uh, it was, well, it's a story about a hairdo. I was sitting at my hairdresser. Uh, she was, uh, you know, doing something with my hair and chatting a little bit, uh, as, uh, well, as we always do, but usually about shapes and colors and stuff. Uh, but. Uh, on that day, she was, you know, into talking politics. And uh, she says, well, and you know, did you notice that no one loves America now? No country wants to be friends with it. No one, uh, no, no one likes them. It is the, you know, the beginning of decline of the US. And, well, uh, I'm sitting, you know, keeping the poker face and thinking, uh, what is my choice, you know, to make my views explicit uh, and to lose my uh, hairdresser? <laughs> um, we know we're in a, in a relationship for six years. <laughs> but uh, I didn't need to decide because well, then, you know, I can hear how the kissers are slowing down. And then a second of silence, and then she says, and uh, well, uh, um, you know, yesterday I was into a supermarket, and I wanted to buy some cheese, some French cheese, and there is none. And well, what do we do in that Ukraine? <laughs> what did we need there? And uh, 
well, that's about reversibility. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really sure it, uh, if it gives us hope, because it means you can, you know, uh, change one type of propaganda with the other and get the immediate results, and it will mean nothing. But at least it gives an answer to the question, why did we hate America? We didn't. Really, we didn't. Anyone else? position of total denial here, you know, and I, I admit it, because uh, we, have, uh, we have no instrument to measure it, uh, because uh, we know that official statistics and all uh, so, so, uh, works of sociologists and all opinion polls just doesn't work in, um, in a totalitarian society. And we, ho uh, we have our own, uh, own statistics, and we all used to talk to the cab drivers and uh, hairdressers. But uh, I don't trust my own statistic, <laughs> and I, that's my position. Do you trust your hairdresser? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, well, I, I promised one more question, but I'm going to smuggle two in, um, and then we'll open up to the audience. One is, I mean, you are all, uh, among the four of you, uh, you are novelists, poets, uh, journalists. This is an eternal question going back hundreds of years, but what, what, what concrete role does poetry, <laughs> fiction, literature, and journalism, which is a little bit of a separate category, what, what role do they have to play in um, the world, and more specifically, in a totalitarian state uh, where free expression is, is, is um, limited? May I give you, provide you a complicated answer? Вы знаете, идея, что мир представляет собой текст, она сегодня стала общим местом. It became a platitude, the idea that the world is a text. Во всяком случае, с 1953 года, когда Крик и Уотсон предъявили миру структуру ДНК. At least from 1953, when Crick-Watson uh, provided to the world the structure of DNA. Of text, and, uh, the, the and the only place where texts are being created is the human mind. Добавить одну маленькую черточку, одну маленькую букву к тому огромному тексту творения, в котором мы пребываем, это очень много. To add one little uh, dot, one little letter to this humongous text of creation is a lot already. Is already a lot. Мы можем ошибаться. Нам кажется, что мы создали новый текст, а он не новый. Но восторг мы испытываем настоящий. We can be mistaken, we can be misled. We might think that we have created something new, a new text, but actually it is not new anymore. But the, the joy is authentic. Я просто, так сказать, счастлива, что мы 
причастны к этому процессу великому. И очень многие люди это знают. И даже не только те, которые в состоянии создать эту ниточку нового текста, а тот, кто в состоянии ее прочитать, понять, потому что это тоже участие в тексте. Я, я очень довольна жизнью. And not only those who add a new thread to this long, long text, but even those who can read it and understand it, they also uh, can be very happy. And that makes my life, that makes me a very happy person. Uh, well, as you know, a poet and a good one said uh, that poetry makes nothing happen. And uh, well, he was right. But it does some other thing. It forms. It shapes people who are able to make things happen. And that's what it is here for. Ilya Arana. When you ask the question, what the, is literature supposed to do, we already, this is already a wrong question. Есть некоторые вещи, которые просто происходят. И текст самый естественный из них. Желание рассказать свою историю, чужую историю, придумать историю наиболее естественную. Если мы говорим о тоталитарном государстве, авторитарном государстве или каком-либо государстве, которое как-либо влияет на нас, мы говорим о попытке влиять на наши истории. And if we are referring to a totalitarian state or authoritarian state or any kind of state which tries to make a difference to, to influence us, it means that it tries to change, to, 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 to make an impact on our stories. And basically everything what we are talking lately about is we are talking only about nuances of these mutations. But no matter what, uh, people are going to continue telling their stories and nobody would be able to stop it. As you probably know, Solzhenitsyn was writing his every single page in his head and then was running it through his mind and keeping uh, in his memory in order to have an opportunity one day to write it down. And probably this what uh, helped him to survive. This was what helped him to survive, I'm sorry. Uh, well, final question before opening to the audience. And this will sound craven, but it's sincere. Uh, you know, here we, uh, and this is, here we are under the auspices of the Atlantic Council and underwritten by uh, Pan America. But what can we uh, here in this room, and what can organizations like Penn and other organizations do to support the cause of what you are all uh, in, uh, laboring every day to promote free expression, literary creativity, dis dissent, resistance? What what practically can Americans, and again, for the a hundred of us here in the room, what can we do to be helpful to you all? Well, 
Я думаю, что мы сейчас переживаем такой кусок времени, когда помочь нам ничем нельзя что мы сами должны решать свои проблемы, потому что это чрезвычайно важно, чтобы общество само себя, так сказать, программировало. I believe that we are going through a specific stage of our history when nobody can help us, and we need to sort out sort out our issues ourselves. And I believe it is very uh, the society needs to be able to start to uh, to address its own issues. Но нам остается одна важная опция. Мы можем друг друга понимать, мы можем обмениваться культурой, и в конце концов мы можем друг друга любить, и ничего лучшего нельзя придумать. But we still have one very, one very important option. We can still try to understand each other, we can conduct cultural exchanges, and we can love each other. And I believe that this is the most beautiful thing which exists in the world. Okay. Um, I think that uh, uh, there are some absolutely necessary things uh, that just uh, have to be done. Uh, building those cultural bridges that Ludmila mentioned is absolutely important. Uh, is uh, of absolute importance. Uh, everything, panels, roundtables, uh, programs for the young writers, uh, so they would be able to come here and to see things from the different angle, from the different point of view. Uh, but there is one thing that I consider maybe the, to be the most important. Uh, it is uh, to continue uh, seeing things and making things visible. Because the most dangerous thing for, for everyone, wherever they are, in Russia, in Ukraine, uh, uh, at the uh, Middle East and the Far East, uh, wherever, is when you're falling away from the front view. I was speaking with my colleagues from Ukraine uh, a few months ago, and they are also suffering from the state of uh, partial visibility. They have this feeling that mm, the world was viewing them for a while, and uh, then something happened and the focus changed, yeah. yes. And they are standing in the darkness, wondering what has happened. And uh, it is uh, totally important just to, to being viewed, to being, uh, sorry, it's uh, totally important to, to, to stay viewed, to stay in focus. And uh, I, uh, I, I hope it is a real thing and uh, people are able to do that. Uh, Anna or Ilya, do you have any mm -hmm. thoughts about what, again, we in the, this room or we in the United States could do to help the cause of freedom of expression in Russia? Well, I, just, I can just agree with my colleagues. I, I believe uh, in force of open world, uh, of communication, and uh, I think that uh, uh, any help will come from the, uh, can come from this side, and that's all I think. Дело на первой необходимости понимания, что не существует никакой монолитной России. I believe that the most important thing is the understanding that there is no such thing as monolithic Russia. Это огромная страна, в которой живет 
очень большое количество людей с разными мыслями, с разными желаниями, которые производят разную литературу, имеют разные представления о будущем. This is a huge country with lots of people. All of them have different ideas, different wishes, different ide uh, different thoughts, and. из того, сколько мы общались за эти дни с американцами, я понял, что большинство воспринимает Россию и россиян неким синонимом Путина и его воли. And I was impressed uh, during the several days while I've been to the United States and talking to Americans, I was impressed how much uh, people here perceive Russia as, and Russians as a synonym for the word Putin. And I believe that the priority should be to divide these two concepts. And there is no better tool to order, in order to achieve this goal than, the, than culture. Um, I keep promising to open up things to questions. I will, I promise. But there, this begs one more question for me. Um, five more questions. What, what is it about the four of you on the stage? Um, are, are you typical of your fellow Russians, or is there something one would maybe expect that the typical response would be to knuckle under and to toe the party line under Putin. None of you are doing that in your, in your different ways, whether it's journalistically, novelistically, poetically, journalistically. Uh, are, 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 are you typical or are you, uh, you know, differentiated in some way? And what sets you apart or what doesn't set you apart? And then I promise we'll open to questions. Uh, please tell me, are you a typical American? My what? Are you a typical American? <laughs> Probably not. No, but in the same way, we are not. This We are not typical Russians as well. Uh, as, as much as you are not a typical American, this is a wrong question. Okay. Of course, we belong to the 14 percent of the population, who are not afraid of Putin. But the problem is that these 14 percent, they all think differently. Because these 86 percent think differently, and 14 percent think. Of course, we do belong to this segment of 14% of Russians who are not keen about Putin. Uh, but they are not excited about Putin in very different ways, each of them. While those 76 who love Putin, they all think the same way. 86, I'm sorry. I'm not sure it tells Ilya that they all think the same way. Uh, we'll, we'll let's, let's now open up to questions. We've got 25 minutes. So um, right there uh, in the uh, can suit. Thank, thank you for your answer to that last question. Um, it's, it's not a question worthy of, of Washington. My, my question is, uh, I wanted to talk about how attention gets focused on uh, difficult national conditions. Uh, some People say that the, the Nobel Peace Prize was given to Obama uh, seven or eight years ago before he had done anything. The Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to, to, to America from social democratic Europe 
for electing Obama and not swinging to the right un un under uh, Mitt Romney or the, the oligarchic classes. This past fall, uh, the, the Nobel Committee awarded a Belarusian author with some Ukrainian ancestry the Nobel Prize for Literature. Did, do you feel the, the, the literary enterprise in, in uh, Petersburg, Moscow, the other major cities of Russia had a blow had a blowback had any impact from the establishment for social democratic Europe recognizing a a uh, Russian writer from outside of, of Russia. I don't think that the Nobel Committee will be able to give a prize in literature to a Russian writer every year going forward under the Putin tyranny, but do you see ways that, that Europe and America and Japan could work, and maybe India uh, and, and other Japan could work strong, more strongly to, uh, together to recognize free speech and free expression in Russia? Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Do you mind if I answer just the part about the Nobel Prize? По тем или иным причинам, я считаю, Слану Алексеевич одним из двух кандидатов для личной, если бы Нобелевскую премию вручал лично я. Это было до вручения. For a number of reasons, if I would be the one who would call, call shots in, in awarding Nobel Prize, I, uh, Svetlana Alexeyevich would be one of my two choices. Uh, that would be before she was awarded. Now that she got her prize, I'm upset that the other guy didn't get it. Who is Salman Rushdie? Anyone else? Uh, well, uh, maybe just one point uh, that for me, uh, and I was uh, delighted to know that Svetlana Alexeyevich received the Nobel Prize. Uh, it means not only the uh, flattering and wonderful fact that someone writing in Russian and writing things so important was uh, met with the prize that, as you know, do not necessarily find you know, the right candidates sometimes. Uh, but for me, uh, what is maybe the most meaningful is that the prize went to someone writing non-fiction prose. And it is the new beginning for the whole idea of writing prose. And so that's why it is so wonderful. Oh, sorry, go ahead. The thing is that this year they published список 50-летней давности Нобелевских лауреатов, тех, кому не дали в тот год, когда дали Нобелевскую премию Шолохову. Этот список фантастический, потому что там не было ни одной фамилии, которая по-писательски не была бы на голову выше, чем Шолохов. Got, who were not awarded with the Nobel Prize in the year when uh, Russian Soviet writer Sholokhov was uh, got the this prize. 
And it was an amazing list because each of them, everyone and each of them were way before, uh, way, way, way better than Sholokhov was. And I opened the, the, the Nobel's will and I read it. Человек, который взорвал полмира динамитом, в конце жизни значит, организовал эту премию, в которую он дает огромные по тем временам деньги ученым, которые служат прогрессу человечества, и литераторам, которые работают на гуманизм. Гуманизм и литература не вполне совпадающие вещи. Um, the man who blew up half of the world with, with his dynamite uh, at, the, at the end of his life gave his money to two categories of people, to the scientists who promote progress and to the writers who promote humanism. Unfortunately, literature and humanism are not the same. У нас есть некоторое искаженное представление о том, за что дается Нобелевская премия. И надо это для себя уточнить, тогда не будет этих вопросов всех. We have a, a pretty distorted idea about what the Nobel Prize is awarded for. Once we clear it up, we are not going to have any questions. Um, I'm Harlan Ullman with the Atlantic Council. Um, as keen observers being writers and journalists, I would like to ask a question, a political question in that context. For almost 15 years, I have sat on a very senior advisory board for the Department of Defense. Earlier this week, we had the most pessimistic, the most pessimistic assessment of U.S.-Russian and Western-Russian relations I have heard in more than a dozen years. Uh, four of the five sitting chairmen of, of members of the Joint Chiefs when testifying earlier this year, last year, was at, were asked what is the most dangerous threat, and four of the five said the existential threat was Russia. Um, it seems to me that relations are getting worse. The question is, in your view, how much worse do you think that relations between the West and Russia, the United States and Russia, are likely to grow? And can anything be done to reverse that? Well, uh, I'll try to answer. Well, I'm not a politician. So my answer will be simple. Uh, Russia is not Putin. And uh, I think that it is a mistake that is, uh, well, sometimes uh, done. Uh, Russia is much, much more complicated and uh, much more... Mm, uh, she has a, a great poten potential for, un for unexpected, uh, unexpected things to happen. And uh, so when we are equaling Russia uh, with Putin, or even those 86% with Putin, we are making a mistake. Uh, as uh, as uh, Lyudmila puts it uh, in, in our conversations, uh, a black swan is always to be expected. So, Here. lots of questions. <laughs> um, 
Ilya Zaslavsky, my question, I'll be a devil's advocate and ask a question on freedom of expression. There are now getters of uh, freedom of expression, one, one could say, in Russia. One radio station, one TV station, one a couple of websites like Kolta. Uh, and um, uh, there is uh, uh, quite a widespread view that uh, it's uh, those uh, channels that allowed you know, this team to come out a little bit that uh, prevented Russia from its own Maidan in 2012. Uh, so you can talk as many as much as you want on radio and in literature, but uh, you, as long as you're not ready to fight uh, on the streets and to counter Putin's regime on the streets, then your situation will always be different from Ukraine. So, uh, do you? What do you think about? Also, the same was said about Facebook that people are, you know, are allowed to say stuff on. Facebook less so now, but still, they, you know, they can express their fatigue with the regime. But th that freedom of expression can actually prevent Maidan in Russia, prevent actual protest. W what do you think about this? Well, uh, the first thing is um, that there is always one thing of anything in Russia not only one TV channel or one website or whatever, uh, one uh, intense city as a place of force, Moscow, and it was like that for, for uh, all the Soviet period, and before it, it was St. Petersburg, but always, you know, the one place of importance. Uh, there is on, uh, now we're having, well, only one valid political candidate from the opposition, and the meaning Alexei Navalny. So that's how it works. But I'm absolutely sure that, uh, well, you know, Facebook didn't prevent the Ukrainians to start Maidan. So freedom of expression is not the biggest thing that prevents us to, 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 to do things. Uh, well, I don't have an answer, but when I'm uh, thinking about what is what happened in in Ukraine, uh, I feel that they have well one benefit. We don't. They're having an example uh, and a huge example of a lifestyle of a state they wa don't want to be like, and the, uh, meaning us. We don't have such a, such an example. We don't have a mirror. We don't even. Uh, realize maybe uh, what is happening, what, what happened to us, especially for the last three or four years. Well, I think that there are, say, three ways, three methods to deal with a regime. First is to destroy it. Uh, second is um, uh, so-called theory of small deeds. And the third is migration, and we try them them all in different ways, and we both know that none of them is perfect. Um, so we've got about 10 minutes left, so keep, keep your questions to, uh, I know this is a very complex subject, but 15 seconds or less, so how about right here in front? Thank you very much for your presentation. I have a question, actually, uh, for you as writers. Um, the government approach to censorship in media and literature has changed. Uh, there is less, so there may be more, but who is your audience? And what uh, general changes or whatever mutation that 
has happened to the general reading public in the past 25 centuries, oh, 25 uh, years, sorry. Or 25 centuries, if you want to be broad, yeah. <laughs> That's not for full 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, we are different writers. And we have different readers. And unfortunately, Kolta, which is a wonderful site, has less readers than me, who is quite known already in Russia. Илья автор молодой, и сегодня трудно говорить о том, какова его аудитория. Илья is a young writer, and it's very hard to define what his, uh, what who who is his reader. Я в этом деле 25 лет. Well, I'm in this business for 25 years. Значит, читательская аудитория во всем мире падает, и вы это знаете, потому что процесс мировой процесс он единый. У нас некоторые вещи опаздывают на 5, 10, 20 или 100 лет, но тем не менее все-таки процесс один идет в мире. The, uh, throughout the whole world there is the same process. The readership goes down. Uh, the number of readers goes down and what happens to us uh, we are just part of this world although we might be uh, late uh, 10, 15 or 100 years but we still follow the same pattern. Вот, поэтому я думаю, что мы, ну, у нас разная биография писательская, но я думаю, что этот ответ, который общий будет и для нас, и для вас, чтение как э, культурный формат уходит, возникают новые какие-то форматы, э, мы живем на очень узком перешейке культурном. Uh. And though we are very different writers, I'm going I'm going to provide you with an answer which is going to be uh, valid for both you and us that the reading as a genre, uh, the reading of uh, fiction, uh, fiction uh, is uh, disappearing and that there are new formats of the cultural activities and right now we live on a very, we are on a very narrow isthmus. Да, и я думаю, что скорее мы будем смотреть на те процессы, которые проходят у вас, и впоследствии их повторять, потому что все-таки пока что в области вот этой массовой культуры все-таки, как это, впереди планеты всей пока что вы. And I believe that we are going to follow your example, see what you do, and, 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 and repeat it in, in our soil, because no matter what they say, you are still number one in the world. Um, let's do five more questions, assuming we can limit each of them to 15 seconds or less. So, here, right here. Good evening, Ariel Cohen, the Athletic Council. Uh, yeah, English. Um, the peak of the Russian literature was in the 19th century. It was Chekhov, Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, etc. Those writers formed not just the public opinion of the Russian Empire, they continued to influence uh, the public opinion of all these poor Soviet school children who had to study them in high school. But a certain product appeared in the society. Today we don't have that. So my question is how and who is forming the societal, ethical norms 
if it's not the writers, it's not even Solzhenitsyn, it's not Brodsky, it's not Mandelstam. Who is it that is forming? Is it Davai Pazhenimsa? Is it TV? Uh, is it Dmitry Kisilov? And what are you guys going to do about it? Thank you. <laughs> Of nineteenth uh, and twentieth uh, century, uh, uh, I think that what happened to Russian literature in terms of circulation, in terms of being known, is a tragedy not only for Russia but on, but also for the Western world. The fact that the works of Osip Mandelstam or Alexander Vidensky or Andrei Platonov, who is an absolute genius. The fact that they, their work were, was not published in, the, in their time, and it was not translated in time, and, uh, and uh, maybe not, not even translated till now, uh, or under-translated at least, uh, because, well, uh, there are beautiful translated by Alexander Vide of Alexander Vidensky, made by Eugene Astashevsky. They are just perfect, believe me. Uh, but anyway, the fact uh, uh, their work was not absorbed by the Western culture is a tragedy, not only for Russian culture, but also for Western culture. Uh, that, uh, that is something I wanted to, to, to point. And the other thing is, uh, uh, I, I, I'll tell, uh, I'll tell. Uh, the other thing is, the, uh, anyway, the circulation of the first books of Anna Akhmatova was 300 of copies. And the circulation of the uh, best books of Osip Mandelstam was, so to say, uh, 3,000. So, uh, writing works, uh, writing things that are to define the face of the country is a long-term process. It is not about, you know, the TV shows of current times. It is something to ju ju just to be done. And when you're trying to describe it, how it is done, it is not about circulation. It is not about the direct uh, um, influence, of course, the direct influence on uh, huge masses of audience. Uh, I, I really think that it doesn't work like that, and it didn't do. Uh, it didn't work like that. Also, in Britain, in times of uh, T. S. Eliot, uh, think about the circulation of the Criterion. It, it, it's just a mm, different thing. Uh, uh, but I can name some authors that uh, are, uh, well, crucial for understanding current situation. Uh, uh, and I'll be speaking about the younger generation, about guys who are, well, five years, 10 years younger than me, and who are uh, of absolute importance for understanding what is going on. And I would name, I would say uh, three names, Kirill Medvedev, who is absolutely brilliant, and he is translated into English, and uh, I, I guess you can buy his uh, poems in your local bookshop. And uh, there, are, there is Lenor Garalik, a poet and a writer and uh, author of short prose uh, that is absolutely thrilling, and also uh, very important 
for understanding how the modern consciousness, how the modern sensibility works in Russia. And uh, there is also Alexei Tsvetkov, a young writer of short prose, who just uh, in a, uh, a year ago, he received the NOS uh, Literature Prize. No, uh, sorry, uh, the old one is uh, wonderful, but uh, the, Alexei, the, the second one is someone totally new, no, no, not related to Alexei in, in any aspect. Uh, he writes prose, uh, uh, and uh, you should try it. So m mindful that we're we've got uh, we're running out of time. We've got we want to all get get you all home through the snow impaired um, city. Let's do two more questions, fifteen seconds or less for the question, and, and then keep the answers to a to a minute or less. So how about right here? And then we'll go do something from the back. Okay, so this follows very clearly on what you just said. Um, I lived in Moscow for a few years, and I remember that it was almost a trope that very few people who went to journalism school would actually go on to become journalists. Because it's so difficult, because there are many compromises that one often has to make. I don't know about the situation in literature, but I suspect there's something similar. So I was wondering, how do you feel about this next generation of writers, journalists, editors? And do you feel that there are people who are willing to continue to reflect on Russia's history, to reflect on the present? Reflect on the president. Anyone? Yeah. <coughs> Okay, I, um, I do believe uh, in um, common sense and communication and talent and so on. I, unfortunately, I do not believe in our universities uh, and especially of Department of Journalistics and uh, in Literature Institute uh, and uh, we have to do something, some, something about them. But I really do believe in grassroots, and uh, I hope everything will be great with talented people. Письмо это вещь, которая происходит наедине с самим собой. Проблемы существуют огромные с какими-то процессами распространения, издания, чтения, дискуссии, вплетения себя в литературный процесс. Ну то, что происходит у тебя с самим собой, еще как бы никто не вмешивался. I'm not sure that I understand what kind of issue of the writers you're talking about, because a writer is a dialogue with with yourself. Uh, it's you do it in in, in silence, in in uh, and the issues of publishing, the number of copies, the debates, the criticism. It's a it's a completely different and separate process which has no real impact on the creativity process. Last question, I'll have it there in the back, uh, right there. Oh, thank you. Hi, my name is Karina Arlo, I work, work for Echo of Moscow. And my question is uh, about handshake ability, if I may say so. So it's been a huge scandal in Russia. Mikhail Khodorkovsky, former political prisoner and uh, 
um, political oppositioner and Putin critic. So he took a picture with uh, two really nasty people. Uh, she, uh, she is a singer, and um, him, um, uh, the second person is her husband. Uh, he's a musical producer. So they're really nasty people. They publicly uh, justified the war in Ukraine and Crimean annexation. And he called uh, gay people perverts. And she said that it's biologically uh, unexcused to be a, gay, a homosexual. So my question uh, is for um, every one of you. Would you pose, uh, would you take a picture with such people? Would you shake hands with such people? Is it, should it be in question at all? Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm one, probably I'm one of the few people here who shook the hand of Khodorkovsky himself. And the reason why I did it is because he showed a great deal of courage and uh, 10 years he, which he spent in jail he behaved himself in a very dignified manner. And therefore, I believe that he has a right to do whatever he wants to. He can shake <laughs> hands of anybody he wants to because he deserves this right. And I'm not going to condemn him for shaking a wrong hand. Um, well, I, 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 I'm sure there are more questions, uh, but we're, we're out of time. So I want to start, thank the Atlantic Council for hosting this. Um, thank you to PEN America for underwriting this tour of the, uh, these brilliant uh, and, and important writers. Um, Thank you to all of you for, 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 for turning out, and thanks to our panel for uh, uh, participating in all this. So.